You know, I want to say angels are among us, but they're not what many think of. Uh, many of you may know a lot of truths about angels, and, and, and we have a problem with angel worship in, in our country, just like they would in the first century. And I was going to have a time where you could, you know, discuss these answers, but I'm just going to let you think amongst yourselves. You know, what do angels look like? Do we have guardian angels? Do angels play man-to-man coverage or zone-to-zone coverage? That's another way of putting it, uh, if that means anything to you. Do angels marry? Do angels have children? Are angels male or female? Are angels real? Just some questions to think about. You know, as we talk today, my theme today is that angels are among us, and my application is don't worship angels. But let everything point to the creator God who we worship. And this is a very content-driven sermon, as a lot of them have been lately. And, you know, I, with the content, many of you get copies of the manuscripts, and that may help. I, I'm always questioning how much to put on screens, but I'm a very visual person. And so if you see things on screens, that's because I'm visual, and I like to see things. And I think maybe sometimes that helps you if you see what I'm talking about on the screen. If uh, that bugs you, I apologize. Let me know. <laughs> uh, usually people do. Um, not as much here, but you will. Um, angels are among us, you know. And Chuck Swindoll tells a story about um, a missionary. A missionary who was out traveling. He was on furlough, and he's traveling, and he's trying to save time and money, so he's trying to drive overnight, and it's this rainy night, and this missionary is trying to stay awake while he travels. A few minutes later, as he's driving, he came upon a man off to the side, thumbing a ride. Although this man rarely picked up hitchhikers, he felt sorry for the man out in the rain and offered him a lift. As the two of them began to visit, the missionary was thrilled that was a believer and that they also had many mutual friends engaged in the Lord's work. Time passed rapidly as they talked and they had conversation. And eventually the man said, well, this is where I get off. And the missionary pulled over and said, why don't I buy you a cup of coffee at this roadside cafe before I drop you off? And they stopped and they had coffee and they talked. And so they start moving on. Well, actually, they depart ways. And the rain had stopped, and the missionary starts driving down the road. Then a couple minutes down the road, he realized that he had failed to get the man's address and phone number. So he quickly returned to the cafe where there was no sign of the man that he had dropped off. When he asked the cook if he'd seen which way the other fella had gone, he was shocked to hear him respond, what other fella? You came in here alone. I wondered why you ordered two cups of coffee. The missionary glanced at the table where the two had sat and noticed that the other cup was still full to the brim and the coffee was cold. As he returned to his car, another surprising realization came to his mind. He remembered that when he had picked up the hitchhiker in the night, it was raining, but the man had gotten in the car, and he wasn't wet. So the question is, did the missionary see an angel? Did God send an angel to that man 
to help him through the night, and I think it's perfectly possible. You know, my first point as we talk about angels is there, there is more than we can see. There's more than we can see. We read this passage. Greg did a fabulous job. I'm going to read it uh, fast again. Elijah prayed and said, oh, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And, you know, what's he talking about here? Stop right there. What's he talking about? You know, Elijah, Elisha, I think God has a sense of humor. He has, he has a prophet named Elijah. And then the next prophet's named Elisha. Elisha was second to Elijah, in case you're wondering. But Elisha's servant was scared. There's enemy encampments all around him. He's scared. And so Elisha prays and says, open his eyes and he may see. The, open, the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Those horses and chariots of fire were angels. They were warrior angels. And they were there to defend Elisha and his servant. When they came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Strike this people with blindness, I pray. So he struck them with blindness, according to the word of Elisha. Then Elisha said to them, This is not the way, nor is this the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. And he brought them to Samaria. Samaria was the capital of the northern kingdom of Israel. And Elijah takes these enemies, so to speak, of the Lord's people, these Arameans, and takes them to Samaria, where they will be defeated and captured. They were angels. It was angels. It was warrior angels. In Daniel 10, 10 to 14, an angel is talking with Daniel, and he shares. Daniel says, Behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man of high esteem, understand the words that I'm about to tell you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. This angel has been sent to Daniel. And when he had spoken this word to me, Daniel says, I stood up trembling. You would tremble too if an angel's right in front of you. Then he said to me, do not be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and in humbling yourself before your God, your words have, were heard. And I have come in response. Listen, Daniel prayed to the Lord, and on the first day that Daniel prayed, his words were heard. But look, it says, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia was withstanding me for 21 days. It seems evident that the prince of the kingdom of Persia was a demon. And there was this angelic struggle, which we'll talk about in a minute. Then behold, it says, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. Another angel, the archangel, a prince of the angels. For I have been left there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to you. An understanding of what will happen to your people in the latter days. For the vision pertains to the days yet future. That seems to show that there seems to be some types of some form of a cosmic struggle between angels and demons. Daniel had prayed in the previous chapter, but his answer was slow in coming. So in verse 12, the angel says that he heard the prayer on the first day as I had shared. But he was in a struggle with this demonic prince of Persia. And Michael had to help him. I don't plan to talk about spiritual warfare today, but talking about angels, I have to touch on it. In Revelation 12, we see Satan fell with one-third of the angels. One-third of the angels rebelled against God, and Satan fell leading this pack of angels. 
Now, sometimes we could get discouraged, but remember that God still has two-thirds of the angels. And even if he does not, God is still Lord. The devil and the demons are no threat to God. God chooses to use his angels for his battles and for his victories and for his messages, but he doesn't have to. The devil is no threat to God at all. And for the Christian, Jesus is always with us. We are never, ever alone. The meaning of the word angel, it comes from the Hebrew word malach, which, seems, which means simply messenger. And it may refer to a human messenger, as we see in 1 Kings 19.2, or a divine messenger, which we see in Genesis 18.12. But the basic meaning of the word is one who is sent. These are angels are messengers and warriors of God. As a divine messenger, an angel is a heavenly being charged by God with some commission. The word is found 103 times in the Old Testament. That's the Hebrew word. But the Greek word, angelos, occurs 175 times, 175 times in the New Testament. And it is only used of men, of people, six times. The word angelos is similar to the Hebrew word malach. It actually means messenger who speaks or acts in the place of the one who has sent him. So let's think about some attributes of angels. And there's a lot, so I'm going to try to limit this. And you can look up some of these scriptures later if you want. I'll have a few on the screen. But angels are spirit beings. They're spirit beings. Hebrews 1.14 says, Are they not all ministering spirits? Sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? In Hebrews, there was a problem of angel worship. And the author of Hebrews which was God, was showing, I mean, some human wrote it, but we don't really know who, uh, was showing that angels are not to be worshipped. They're ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who inherit salvation, Christians. Angels do take the form of humans, and we see this in Genesis 18.3. Something really important is that angels do not have gender. Mark 12.25 has Jesus speaking. And in that passage, it says, For when they arise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but they are like angels in heaven. So it seems clear that angels do not have a gender. Angels are warriors. In Revelation, angels bring about judgment. And we see this in the passages which we already read as well. They are warriors. In certain cases, when a person encounters an angel in the Bible, the angel says, Do not fear. Look at Luke 2, 9 through 10, which is on the screen. An angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them. This is the shepherds in the fields. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. There are myriads of angels. We see that in the scriptures. They were created by the Lord. Colossians 1.16. For by him, that's the Lord Jesus, all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible. They were created by the Lord. Listen, this is big. We do not become angels when we die. Christians do not become angels when we die. Everybody got that? 
It's really important we remember that. In fact, Christians will judge the angels when we die. We see that in 1 Corinthians 6. We do not become angels. I hear it all the time in America. Some of the scriptures I'm going to have here, you'll just have to look up later. They are higher than us for now, but we will judge the angels. Hebrews 2.7 shows that we are lower than the angels, but 1 Corinthians 6.3 shows that we will judge the angels. They are not capable of death. Isn't that interesting? In Luke chapter 20, verse 36, it shows that. Angels have greater wisdom than man, yet it is limited. And we can see that in 1 Samuel 14.20 and Matthew 24.36. Angels have greater power than man, but they're limited in power. We are created in the image of God, not angels. Angels are not created in the image of God. Only we are. There are rankings with angels. Angels who are highest in ranking, Michael. Michael is called the archangel in Jude 9 and the great prince in Daniel 12.1. Michael is the only angel designated archangel and maybe the only one of this rank. Gabriel is another angel mentioned by name in the scriptures. Lucifer. We know him as the devil or Satan, and it means shining one or star of the morning. And he may have been the wisest, he may have been the wisest and most beautiful of all God's created beings. He was originally placed in a position of authority over the cherubim surrounding the throne of God, yet he rebelled, and we know him as the devil or Satan. Cherubim are of the highest order or class created with indescribable powers. And beauty. Seraphim, meaning burning ones, are pictured surrounding the throne of God. And Isaiah 6 has them described with six wings, and they're worshiping the Lord. They're surrounding the throne, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Angels minister to God, to Christ, and to believers. And I'm going to try to share this content. It's so important. Angels minister to God, to Christ, and to believers. The cherubim have a ministry to God in defending the holiness of God. Seraphim have a ministry to God in surrounding the throne of God as they attend to his holiness. Angels predicted Jesus' birth. Angels protected Jesus' in infancy. An angel warned Joseph of Herod's intention and told Joseph to flee to Egypt until the death of Herod. An angel also instructed Joseph when it was safe to return to the land of Israel. Angels ministered to Jesus after the temptation. We see all this in the Bible. Go back to the Bible. You can look up the passages, and we can find a doctrine of angels. Angels strengthened Jesus at Gethsemane. Isn't that interesting? In one of Jesus' trying times, an angel came to strengthen him. Angels announced his resurrection. They released the apostles from prison and Peter from prison. Acts chapter 12, really exciting passage. The angels will protect the 144,000 in the tribulation. We see physical protection of angels. David experienced physical protection by the angel when he was forced to flee to the Philistines. Angels may frustrate the plans of the enemies of God's people. Angels protect from physical harm those who seek refuge in the Lord. Psalm 91, 11 through 13, a really passage. They release the apostles from prison. And Peter from prison, I shared that one. An angel brought physical nourishment to Elijah when he was weakened from a journey. We see encouragement from angels. Encouragement from angels. During the storm at sea, an angel encouraged Paul, reminding him he would arrive safely at Rome. We see direction. 
an angel directed Philip to witness to the Ethiopian eunuch. Isn't that really cool? This really exciting passage of Philip witnessing to this Ethiopian eunuch who would take the gospel back to Ethiopia. It was an angel who directed that. An angel arranged a meeting of Cornelius and Peter. Another really exciting passage about opening the gospel to non-Jews. We see a relationship between the angels and prayer and assisting in prayer. Peter's prayer, the, the disciples were praying for Peter's release in Acts 12. And an angel came and released him from prison. Read that passage later. It's really exciting. Daniel's prayer was explained by the angel. We read that passage. Luke 16.22, it seems that angels may carry believers home. 16.22. That describes the death of Lazarus and the angel carrying him to Abraham's bosom. This may be the way God causes all his dying saints to be absent from the body at home with the Lord. Angels will also be instrumental in judgment at the end of the age. And an angel will sound the trumpet during the tribulation. Angels pour out the bold judgments upon the earth. They are warriors. They carry about God's messages. They carry about God's judgments. So here, let's go through some applications. Angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner who repents. If you want to make heaven rejoice, if you want to make heaven worship, share Jesus with other people. And so I remind you, those little prayer cards in your bulletin, take them home, take them seriously, write down names of people who need Jesus, and bring it back next week. We'll have a little box for you to put those in, and we will pray over that box. Listen, nobody receives Jesus as Lord and Savior without someone praying for them. I believe that. I really do. And we need to pray for opportunities to share the gospel with other people. And then we need to watch for God to give us divine appointments. They may even ask you. Bill Hybels pastors Willow Creek Church, and he was out boating on Lake Michigan. And they see some people, and they start talking to them. They were in another boat. He's in one boat. They're in another boat. And they start spending time with them. And I guess Bill Hybels was thinking about the gospel, but he never thought about a, he never saw the right moment to share Jesus with them. Finally, Bill Hybels and his wife are getting back on their boat to go back. And the person says, hey, I have a question for you. He says, I always wanted to ask a Christian, how do you become one? I mean, how awesome is that? The guy just flat out asked him. When you start praying for opportunities, I believe God's going to give you opportunities. Make heaven rejoice by sharing Jesus with people. Don't worship angels, but let everything point to God who created them who we worship. We must only worship the Lord. He created the angels. Angels show the greatness of God's love and plan for us. Angels remind us that the unseen world is real. Angels are examples for us, and this is true in their obedience and their worship. Angels carry out some of God's plan, and angels directly glorify God. We must understand that God uses angels to carry out his purposes. And as we study angels, be amazed by God. Be amazed by God. But not just with angels. Look, look around at the sky at night. If you're enjoying ice cream, great. I enjoy ice cream. Make it praise God who created a, uh, um, ice cream. Let all the joys of your life 
point back to Jesus who we worship. And when you study angels and you read about them and you think about them, worship God. Everything should point us to God who we worship. Lest we start worshiping angels or ice cream or chocolate, whatever it may be. We must make sure that we have a correct understanding of angels. We must be aware of angels in our daily life. Hebrews 13, 2, be aware of angels in your daily life. We must be aware of false doctrine from angels. Galatians 1, 8 says that even don't even let an angel from God share the wrong message of the gospel, which I have to believe is probably a demon masquerading. Beware. We must understand that even Satan masquerades as an angel of light. He was an angel, and he will try to deceive. That's what he does. One last thing. Do we have guardian angels? Acts 12 references this, but I, I don't think it is in a way of teaching. I do not think that we have guardian angels. If you do, it's okay. You can differ with me on this. I think we could have a myriad of angels around us, and I would rather have many than one. And I ultimately also believe Jesus is with every believer all the time. The Christian is never alone. We are always safe. Chuck Swindoll writes about another example, and I have that in the sermon manuscript for those that, you, that get it. You can also see it on my blog tomorrow. I'm not going to share it. I'm just going to summarize it. He had a young group of teens going climbing in the snow at his church in Southern California, up in the mountains, and they lost their way. They lost their trail, and they were worried. They were discouraged. I mean, it's not good to get stuck in the mountains at night in the snow. And all of a sudden, this guy says, the trail's up here. They got up to where the guy was. They did find the trail, but they found no footprints in the snow, nothing. Be aware that God may use angels. As Psalm 91, 11 through 12 says, he will give his angels charge concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will bear you up in their hands that you do not strike your foot against a stone. Praise God for his protection around us. Let's have a word of prayer now. Lord Jesus, we belong to you. Everything belongs to you. We thank you, Lord God, because you use angels to minister to us. Hebrews tells us that. We pray, Lord God, for your protection through angels. But we thank you also that the Holy Spirit is with us in Christ. Lord Jesus, I pray that we are in Christ. And if there's those that are here with us right now who do not know you as Lord and Savior, may today be the day of salvation. May today be the day when they repent and they turn their life over to you. Believing, Jesus, that you died on the cross for their sins and rose again. Confessing sinners in need of a Savior and committing to you. Help us trusting in you and following you. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Please stand if you're able for angels we have heard on high. It's also in the hymnal and on the screens, hymn 192.
shepherds, why this jubilee? Why your joyous strains prolong? Say what may the tidings be which inspire your heavenly song? Glory. 